podcast about loving languages and finding joy in learning them. I'm your host, Heidi Lovejoy, and today I'm going to tackle the final piece of my language learning story. If you haven't already listened to the first two episodes, go ahead and start there, because in those, I give an overview of my language history, both personally and as a parent, while today I'm going even deeper into the thing that really defined that history for far too long, and that is my perfectionism. First, what is perfectionism? Perfectionism is considered a personality trait characterized by exceedingly high and often unattainable standards of achievement, and it's often driven by a fear of failure, or more pointedly, often a fear of making mistakes. My history with perfectionism goes back as far as I can remember, and it's always been most pronounced with school-related things. I never missed a day of school from kindergarten all the way through high school graduation. I was always focused on making all A's, which was the top grades in the U.S., and that still wasn't really enough. I was often hyper-focused on making perfect grades, so if I missed one single point on a test, I would focus all of my energy on that one thing instead of being proud of all the stuff that I did get right. My friends, family members, and adults in my life seemed to kind of equate perfectionism with Heidi, and it easily just became a thing that was a part of me, part of my identity, and who I am at the core. Whenever I would bring home a perfect report card with all A's, I was not often met with praise for my hard work, but rather statements like, of course she made all A's, we wouldn't expect any less. After another year of perfect attendance at school, I would hear things like, that's our Heidi, she's a little perfectionist, in really endearing tones. And in a way, these types of statements felt like the explaining away of my accomplishments instead of seeing them as the result of my excessive hard work trying to meet unreasonably high standards for myself because of an extreme fear of failure, which failure to me meant making a mistake or having an imperfection. And perfectionism really did become an identity for me. And I started using it as sort of a justification for my actions, like why I stress so much over missing a single point on an exam, or why I always strive to be the best at everything, even if I was only a beginner. And of course, I wasn't always the best, which then led to some intense and very unhealthy jealousy issues throughout my life. But it was always just a part of who I am. I'm a perfectionist. And I continued through life, through college, beginning of a career, graduate school, more graduate school, early years of motherhood, more graduate school, with this perfectionism at my core. And I never really realized how much it negatively impacted my life until I started learning languages at age 33. Or maybe it would be more accurate for me to say that I didn't realize there was something I could do about its negative impact, that I didn't have to let perfectionist tendencies control how I did things, especially academic type things. So here today, I want to talk about what perfectionism looks like in my language learning. And some of this I've already touched on in the previous episodes because these things were so profound in my beginner years. I'm going to revisit this theme in future episodes, though, because I think it's a very nuanced topic that affects so many language learners. And I just want to start peeling back those layers. In this episode today, though, I'm just going to highlight some of the major perfectionist tendencies that have affected me in the most profound ways. And I want to set the stage for future discussions about it. So as I mentioned in those first couple episodes, I started learning Italian when we moved to Italy. I really had no idea what I was doing, but my early resources were mostly Duolingo, Google Translate, and some Italian as a second language courses. Over the course of a year or two, I added things like listening to Italian music, watching cartoons, reading youth-level literature, and a program called Rocket Italian to my list of resources. 
And this is a pretty solid resource bundle, right? There are various methods for learning vocabulary and grammar, plenty of different types of input and some carefully crafted output. But my perfectionism really, really showed up in how I used all of these resources. The most glaringly obvious way perfectionism showed up is that I focused on my mistakes always, and I procrastinated or even completely avoided language tasks like speaking where I often made mistakes because I didn't like that vulnerability and the negative feelings that came with making mistakes. For example, if I would lose a heart in Duolingo by making a mistake, even if it was just a typing error, I became so frustrated, sometimes even angry at the app, often leading to more mistakes because I didn't have a clear head and I lost all focus on the vocabulary that I was learning. In my Italian as a second language class, if the teacher corrected something I said, maybe I didn't know how to conjugate an irregular verb or I used the wrong gendered article, I would get really embarrassed and often start to just shut down, not wanting to speak again. I used Google Translate a lot, especially the longer I was in Italy, because I wanted to avoid mistakes or imperfections at all costs, thinking other people were really judging me because after having been in the country for a year or two, I should be able to speak perfectly, right? But using a translation app to construct more complex sentences instead of naturally working my way through my own expressions highlighted things I didn't know or couldn't do on my own. And what I didn't know or couldn't do with ease always seemed so big and so loud. So these mistakes were right at the front and center of my, of my thoughts all the time. Another way perfectionism showed up, especially in those early years, was that I tended to put my own rules or restrictions on how I used all of these resources. For example, when I started Rocket Italian, I was already to a mid-beginner level, but I started the program from the very beginning with the intention of finishing it all in a very linear fashion, performing every task in order, skipping nothing, no matter how much of it I already knew or which tasks bored me. When I started watching Peppa Pig in Italian, the language was spoken so fast that I didn't understand as much as I wanted to or thought I should, but I refused to put on subtitles in English or Italian because I felt like that would be cheating, and I quit finding time to watch because I was frustrated by my lack of understanding. And it was the same thing with reading. I chose a book that was above my reading comprehension level, but for some inexplicable reason, I thought I should be able to read it by then. Yet, the only way I could fathom getting through the book was to look up and write in the book every word or phrase I didn't know or understand. I never went back to study the words or grammar that I didn't understand, but having them scribbled all over the pages again highlighted everything I didn't know, and again I got frustrated and started avoiding reading. No one ever told me that linear learning was effective. No one ever told me that subtitles was cheating or that reading meant 100% understanding. Yet I had decided that these rules must be followed, and the fact that I felt lost when abiding by them was somehow proof that I was failing to learn this language. So focusing on mistakes and thinking there's only one specific way to use a resource were major perfectionist players in my early Italian days. Another perfectionist tendency that has shown up over and over again is all-or-nothing thinking. And this overlaps some of the things I just mentioned, like using a resource from beginning to end, understanding everything, or giving up on a resource. That giving up or the quitting of something stems from this unconscious idea that either I can do it all or I don't do any of it. As a perfectionist, singular mistakes often feel like failure. So failure to me doesn't really mean a complete crash and burn. It just means failing to do it perfectly or error-free or failing to do it to this exceedingly high, often unattainable way that I decided it must be done. 
So my entire language learning experience at the time was kind of defined by this mentality that either I could understand and speak all the language or I couldn't speak or understand any of it. That in-between phase of learning that I hadn't expected to last so long didn't count in my mind. And it led to feelings of failure instead of feelings of progression. Another way this thinking showed up was in the time I spent with the language. If I didn't have time to complete a full lesson or read a whole chapter or watch an entire episode of something on TV, or if I didn't have a solid hour for focused study time, I would end up doing nothing at all with the language instead. If I couldn't do it all, then I would do nothing. And I have to say that this is often unconscious thinking. Not once did I ever actually tell myself, you can only do everything or you can do nothing. Sensible Heidi would have told anyone that doing something is better than doing nothing, yet the way I functioned in my language learning, the behaviors I exhibited in how I studied or didn't study, didn't support this sensible thinking. One more way that perfectionism really showed up in my first years as a language learner that I'll mention in today's episode is in fear of missing out. And again, I think this intersects the ideologies of linear learning and all or nothing thinking. When confronted with a new resource or program, starting from the very beginning was my natural inclination. It's the logical way of doing something right from the beginning. But when I began Rocket Italian again, I wasn't a complete beginner. And I remember several times thinking to myself that I should skip ahead to material I didn't know because I was getting bored and burned out. I was anxious to get to the new vocabulary and concepts. I wanted to, but I was afraid that if I skipped ahead, I would miss something. Maybe I would skip ahead too far. I mean, forget that if this happened, I could just go back to anything I missed. Maybe I would miss vocabulary or grammar from the beginning lessons that I hadn't discovered through other resources. There had to be some definitive set of beginner vocabulary that I could learn, I thought, and I didn't want to miss anything that I might need later. I never considered that any important words I need will probably show up over and over again, that that if I miss it, it's going to show up again. And this was the same way I used Duolingo or any other apps. I don't think I had any other apps at the time, but this is the same way that I used that. I had to complete each lesson to at least level one before beginning the next one on the main tree because I didn't want to miss something important. And over time, as I found more resources or got more recommendations for how to learn Italian, I added all of these to my list of things I had to do or had to use. And in my mind, I had to do them all daily or at least several times a week. So in other words, a recommendation to watch TV in Italian became an absolute, something I had to do every day or I'd miss out on all that input. Doing flashcards while mind-numbingly boring to me was something that I had to do because what if I forgot a word that I had already learned? And, oh, by the way, I had to complete an entire deck of flashcards each time I used them because of the all-or-nothing way I operated. In this way, I started hoarding resources. Every little thing that may fill in the gaps of my language acquisition became something I had to do because I was seriously afraid of missing something important. Every resource or activity became, in my mind, something that was going to either make or break my language learning. I put so much stock into the resources and what they would put into my head. Can you feel how overwhelming this is? I had no real structure to my language learning, no goals other than fluency or maybe just completing a resource. And I stayed in that mindset that this sort of chaos that often led to procrastination and really slow progress meant that I was failing. But I could also see other people mastering the language, so I knew that it could be done. 
and the only logical conclusion to me was that I was missing something. I'm missing the key resource or language learning method, and once I find it, I'm going to add it to my list of things to do, and I'm going to get fluent fast. But of course, this wasn't the case. I talked in episodes one and two about how the 2020 lockdown forced me to take a big, deep breath and slow down to focus on things I needed to change in my language learning and in how I supported my daughter in her language acquisition. Another thing I did during this time that was really the catalyst or foundation for being able to make these changes was to address my mental health. I stopped drinking alcohol right before lockdown because I'd allowed my drinking, the way that I drank and the reasons I drank, to get out of hand, and it really exacerbated the stress and overwhelm that I felt. I found a counselor through betterhelp.com to help me sort through all of these negative tendencies and negative self-talk that I allowed to kind of run my life. And one thing that these mental health changes revealed was that my perfectionism, this thing that I'd identified with and accepted about my core self, was at the root of how I went through life, how I tended to perform tasks and analyze my progress. So with my counselor, I started to work on challenging some of these restrictive beliefs I held that were grounded in perfectionism instead of a healthy reality. In this process, I discovered that procrastination and avoidance are linked to perfectionism. Unconsciously setting my own rules for how something should be done is linked to perfectionism. All or nothing mentality is linked to perfectionism. Doing all the tasks and hoarding all the resources due to fear of missing out is linked to perfectionism. Now, hear me on this though. These tendencies aren't unique to perfectionism. I know they can be linked to other personality traits or neurodevelopmental disorders like ADHD, and sometimes they're just the first thing language learners try out and may not be linked to any underlying cause. But for my story and my healing, I can say that finding this link between my behaviors and my perfectionist personality was the first step toward finding a solution. I'm now going on about two years of learning how to combat these perfectionist tendencies in order to define the most effective language learning strategy for myself, and it's still a work in progress. But if you can relate to my story, if you feel a disconnect between how you want your language learning to go and how you're actually doing it, if you identify as a perfectionist, I want to share some of the ideas that have already had the greatest impact on moving forward in a healthy and realistic way for myself. To be clear, I am not going to tell you how to get over or cure perfectionism. I am still a perfectionist, and I believe that I always will be. But I can better anticipate and control how this personality trait shows up in my life, and for us here today, specifically in my language life, in order to prevent it from having control over me. I have a lot of tips for things I've discovered that work for me in helping to counter my perfectionist tendencies. But again, this is two years worth of tips. For the sake of time and presenting my thoughts in the most digestible way for you listeners out there, I'm going to start today by highlighting two of the most impactful tips I've adopted. This topic of perfectionism and language learning is something I'm going to revisit over and over throughout this podcast, but it's my intent today to share a few things to just give you a place to start considering how you can work toward more effective language learning for yourself. I firmly believe that trying out a few small changes at a time is much more effective than trying to do a big overhaul that can become overwhelming and counterproductive. So today, I'm going to start peeling back those layers of my own findings. The first thing that's really worked toward reshaping my language learning as a perfectionist is to stop using the word should. Until I talked to a counselor, I didn't realize how many times a day I said or thought should. But talking openly with her, she recognized this pattern in my speech and challenged me on it every single time. And it's made a really major shift in how I function. Think about all the things we tell ourselves or others that we should or shouldn't do regarding language learning. 
I should study in my grammar book. I should speak more. I should be to an intermediate level by now. I should use flashcards. I shouldn't rely on my native language so much. Or other shoulds that we project onto other people or resources. That person should understand me. Immersion should make me fluent. So many of these statements fly through our thoughts with ease, and they often lay the foundation for how we study or practice our languages, not taking into account how we feel about certain resources or how we're progressing. Once we start paying attention to our should statements, whether conscious or unconscious, whether verbal or thought, then we can start to reframe these words into statements that support a growth mindset and serve to lift us up and help us. So let me give you an example of how this could go. Let's take, I shouldn't rely on my native language so much. First, why am I implying that this statement is bad or negative? I mean, it's helpful to use more of your target language and less of your native language, right? I want to speak more of my target language. Listening to myself, I realized how often I said something like this, and it's helped me to take a moment to be mindful of the emotions I feel when saying or thinking a should statement. Every time I told myself that I shouldn't use English so much, I immediately felt guilt for using my native language or embarrassment for not using my target language. And these negative feelings is a sign that this statement isn't helping me in any way. So what can we do to stop using should, or in this case, shouldn't? Of course, listen to yourself and recognize when you're thinking or feeling should. Then practice reframing those statements. Challenge yourself with why. I shouldn't rely on my native language so much. Well, why not? Because I use English as a crutch, preventing me from practicing expressing myself in my target language. How can I reframe that should statement to something else that captures this reasoning and is completely believable to me? I shouldn't rely on my native language so much. Or, I don't like that I use my native language so much, but it's also helpful sometimes for clear communication or moving a conversation forward. When I do use English to progress a conversation, I can take a mental note of what I said, and I can later go back and learn or review the target language words that didn't come to me in the moment. And this is truth for me. I really don't like relying on English so much. And this statement is less restrictive than saying I shouldn't rely on it. But I can also admit that it's often helpful. And over time, I can already see myself using it less and less, which proves that I'm getting better at my languages. And this new statement captures the essence of what I was really trying to convey in the should statement, but it doesn't come with the guilt and embarrassment and other negative feelings. So I'm better mentally postured to progress instead of getting hung up on those negative thoughts and feelings when I do use English. Not using the word should and reframing the statement to something that's true to you that's more supportive of a growth mindset can really combat those more prohibitive tendencies. When we focus on mistakes, we're unconsciously telling ourselves that we should have known that or should never make mistakes. Placing our own rules on how to do something comes from the idea that there's a particular way we should study or should use a resource. Thinking we should complete something in full or not do it at all is at the core of all or nothing thinking. And fear of missing out may show up in thinking that we should be doing it all, all the reading, all the writing, all the listening, all the speaking, or that we should internalize every single word or phrase that crosses our paths and never forget anything. So recognizing and reframing these should statements can sever the links that lead to these more restrictive perfectionist tendencies. The second tip I have for combating perfectionism in language learning is to give yourself permission. Now this might sound a bit sophomoric, but it really is powerful. Again, the way perfectionism shows up in our language learning is often very restrictive, and I, for one, didn't realize that I could do things differently. 
In 2021, I joined Lindsay Williams from Lindsay Does Languages in her language life coaching program. And one of the things that has been most effective for me in this program is that she gives us words to use for creating this foundation of flexible language learning so that we just kind of make it a part of our lives. And some of this verbology that she uses really made me start thinking that I don't allow myself to do things the way I want to do. So giving myself permission has really, really helped to start working around that. So one thing I do is try to think about what I do in my language learning that feels restrictive. And then I tell myself that I'm allowed to not do those things. For example, working something from beginning to end. I have literally told myself out loud that I'm allowed to skip around and do what interests me. Giving myself permission to turn on subtitles when watching Italian TV. I've discovered that one, it really helps to turn on subtitles in my target language because it adds an extra visual for my learning. And two, I've been able to pick up on discrepancies between what I hear and what I read in the subtitles. And this is proof that my listening comprehension is improving. And that's really, really motivating. In a similar way, thinking about what language things I want to do or really enjoy doing, or even what I have time to do, and then verbally telling myself that I'm allowed to do those things has been really, really powerful. For example, German Uncovered by Kirsten Cable and Ollie Richards is one of the resources that I use for German, and I really, really enjoy it a lot. It's a story-based learning program, and so it's really easy for me to have the intention of completing an entire chapter in one sitting or in one week, or not do it at all if I don't have time. Well, each chapter includes listening, reading, vocab discovery through cognates, video lessons for vocab, grammar, and pronunciation, and then exercises going through all of these. And it takes a bit of time. And I really like doing this with ease, not feeling like I'm just charging through in order to finish. But when we made the move from Italy to Germany last year, I put German Uncovered aside because it was really difficult for me to access it in the way I wanted while we were in transition. But when I started having more time to do it, I found myself not digging in at all because I didn't have time to complete a whole chapter each week as I wanted to. So I loved the program. I wanted to do the program. I got so much out of it, but my tendency toward this all or nothing thinking was holding me back. When I started practicing giving myself permission to change how I do things, this was one of the first things I attacked. I gave myself permission to set smaller bite-sized goals with German Uncovered. My original goal and the way I approached this program was to complete one chapter a week, but I couldn't find the time to do that now. So instead I would set maybe a one day goal of complete the vocabulary video, which may have been 20 minutes or so. Perfect, I have time for that and I'm allowed to do just that. A few days later, or maybe the next week when I had time again, I would tell myself I am allowed to complete the vocabulary exercises if I want to. If not, I would be allowed to move on to the grammar video. Another day, maybe I didn't have a lot of time, but I told myself, that's okay. I'm allowed to sit down and do just 10 minutes of German Uncovered, whether I finish a video or a section of exercises or not. And for me, telling myself that I can do it this way, that I'm allowed to do it piecemeal as my time and energy and desires permit, has started to break those restrictive tendencies and give me space for real progression at a realistic pace. And of course, I'm progressing through the German Uncovered program and learning more than if I had waited for the time to focus on an entire chapter each week, because that time still hasn't come about in over eight months of living here. The last thing I want to talk about today regarding my perfectionist language learning is that perfectionism doesn't exist in a vacuum. It isn't likely, at least, to apply to only one area of someone's life. 
It may be stronger in some areas, like for me, anything having to do with academics, I can guarantee perfectionism will show up really strong in these areas, but in parenting, a bit less so. But it really does affect every aspect of our lives to varying degrees. And if we can start to alter our perfectionist behaviors in other areas, perhaps ones where the perfectionist hold isn't so strong, then we get better at practicing those helpful tendencies, making it easier to start applying them to our language lives. So if you want to start working on reframing your should statements, or you think giving yourself permission could have a positive impact on how you approach your language learning, then I highly recommend considering doing these things with non-language learning tasks as well. How many things are we bombarded with that society or our inner selves or whatever tells us that we should do? I should eat more vegetables. I shouldn't eat red meat. I should drink three liters of water a day. I shouldn't look at my phone right before bed. I should exercise at least 30 minutes a day. I should never yell at my kids. They're everywhere. And whether we grab hold of these statements or let them just fly through our thoughts without focusing on them, they can get seriously overwhelming. And I think they really only serve to make us feel bad about ourselves instead of motivate us to make positive changes. So again, on the surface, it seems like these are all good things, right? Like, I should eat more vegetables. No one will argue that eating more vegetables is bad for you. But telling yourself you should really focuses your attention on the fact that you aren't, followed by guilt or perhaps feelings of being out of control of your life. So reframing that statement to something that's believable and uplifting supports a positive mindset that's more likely to motivate you to actually eat more vegetables. So instead of me saying I should eat more vegetables, something that's really true to me is I enjoy eating vegetables. Eating more vegetables makes me feel better. I sleep better when I eat more vegetables. I like taking care of my body. Sometimes getting enough vegetables is hard though, and that's okay. Each meal, each snack is another opportunity to sneak in some more vegetables. Now doesn't that sound so much better than telling yourself that you should eat more vegetables? These are all true statements, but they're much more likely to motivate me to go grab a carrot instead of a bag of chips. Similarly, looking at ways that you may be restricting your daily tasks that have nothing to do with language learning and practice giving yourself permission to change that up if you want can be really, really impactful to our language learning as well. One of the most restrictive things that I feel like I've learned I do in my adult life is completing tasks in full. I want to finish unloading the dishwasher all at once. I want to finish folding the laundry and getting it put away all at once. But this can be really restrictive because I don't always have the time to sit down for 30 minutes and fold the laundry or even 10 minutes to unload the dishwasher. And I've learned over the years to just give myself permission to do what I can when I can. So for example, I have lots of laundry to fold, but I really can't find 30 solid minutes to sit and do it. So what do I do? I give myself permission to do what I can. I have five minutes, I'm going to fold what I can, and then I'm going to leave the pile there. But this isn't going to be all or nothing thinking. I don't do all the laundry or leave the pile and sit and complain about it and not like it for the rest of the day. Instead, every time I walk by the pile of laundry, I fold maybe two pieces of laundry or maybe three. And truly, by the end of the day, all the laundry gets folded. Then when I'm putting it away, same thing, I'll put away all all of my socks. And then the next time I go by the pile, I'll put away all of my t-shirts or whatever. And in this way, over the course of the day, I've spent a total of probably 30 minutes doing the laundry, but it never felt like this big, big task that I had to tackle. And when I'm doing this, I can do other things at the same time. I can do it while listening to music. I can do it while doing lunges down my hallway to get a little bit of workout. 
giving myself permission, literally telling myself that I'm allowed to do it piecemeal like this has helped me realize how much more I can do this in my language life. If I don't have 10 minutes to complete Duolingo or an hour to complete German Uncovered, that's okay. I'm allowed to do it little by little and every single minute counts toward finishing and learning and progression. And the key here is that doing these non-language learning tasks in a different way is easier for me than splitting up a language learning task. But in doing them this way, I am literally showing myself that it still gets done. By the end of the day, the work still gets done and I can see this progress. So when I kind of expose myself to doing that in non-language learning areas, it really helps to bring the same mentality, the same allowance and flexibility into my language life. And I have seen such big changes, not just in how I learn the languages and how I'm progressing, but in my overall feelings about my languages and how I'm progressing. I see so many more successes now than I did before because I'm more flexible and open-minded to being able to see these successes and all the wins along the way. And it's a much happier place to be. I'm not focused on all the time I don't have to learn the language. My focus really has started to shift on all the little things I'm able to do throughout the day that add up to a lot of language learning. And it's so much more positive. It's a much better mindset to be in. Now, as always, I don't want to leave you with the impression that my language learning is perfect now, that I never say should, or that I always give myself permission and don't find things restrictive. It's not true because again, I said, I'm still a perfectionist and I probably always will be. And sometimes these tendencies still start to creep up. I mean, I'm 38 years old now, so I have a lifetime of doing things in this way that I'm trying to combat. I don't have any expectations that it's going to be fast or easy or that there's this perfect fix. But I can really recognize when these tendencies are starting to show up and it's becoming easier for me to combat them with other things that help keep me in a positive mental state. So I'm going to stop right here for today because I really want to give everyone time and space for starting to work in some of these things a little at a time. I don't want to overwhelm anyone by thinking that now you have to do all of these things. Heidi told me five to 10 great tips and I've got to do all of them. It's just not like that. And that can get very, very overwhelming. But I do want you to start feeling empowered to making your own personal discoveries, trying to reshape your thoughts and actions to something that feels very true and eventually natural to you and something that creates a positive atmosphere for yourself in your language learning. Do come back next week because I'm going to continue on this topic and I'm going to keep exploring ways that we can use our non-language learning life to impact positive changes in our language learning life, especially when it comes to perfectionism because that's my personal specialty. Thank you again for listening this far. I am just, I'm so excited to be able to share my story and to reach other people and I am really excited to hear people's feedback. Let me know what things work for you, what things don't work for you. If you have an idea that I haven't mentioned here, my gosh, please reach out to me and let me know because I am all about creating community, creating your own personal journey that is tailored to your specific needs, your specific desires, and your specific tendencies. And I really think that these are things every single language learner can learn from. So thank you again, and until next time, ciao.